story eleven part three of around the yule log by willis boyd allen this librivox recording is in the public domain story eleven through the storm part three lisbeth stepped to the door and called through it come in she's ready to see you now florence waited with a bright smile dawning on her face for the kindly little spirit who handled pussy willows and armchairs so deftly the next minute she heard a light firm step upon the kitchen floor it hesitated at the door and a gentle knock followed come right in elsie cried florence pleased again by her delicacy i shall be so glad she paused abruptly the door had swung open and there stood a tall well-built young man an amused twinkle in his clear gray eyes and the corners of his mouth just failing of that demureness they aimed to achieve without however appearing to notice any element of embarrassment in the situation he stepped forward quietly and laid in her lap a glorious bunch of roses saying as he did so i happened to be at the corner this morning and was fortunate in securing the first cutting at the greenhouse it is like the cream on aunt lisbeth's pans he went on evidently to give her time i always was troublesome just before churning days wasn't i aunt indeed you were returned lisbeth with a beaming face that flatly contradicted her words what with you and the two blue kittens it's a wonder we ever got anything but skim milk for our butter them roses do look something like cream too by this time florence had recovered her self-possession is it possible that this is the kind fairy who has done so much for me she held out her hand with a frank smile as she spoke he stooped not ungracefully and took the offered hand and then laid it almost reverently upon the heap of roses hardly a fairy he remarked gravely a gnome or a goblin perhaps it was very pleasant service are you really better miss amory thank you i feel almost too well to be treated as an invalid will you not be seated and then please tell me how i, I could have thought oh i'll tell you all about it broke in lisbeth with a mischievous look at her tall nephew who had obediently seated himself on one corner of the bed that being the only unoccupied portion of the room you see when wesley florence flushed slightly she had thought she recognized the voice though she had heard it but for a moment that wintry night the name she remembered wesley he used to call himself elsie when he was a little trudge and couldn't speak plain so we got into the way of calling him that ourselves and it stuck to him ever since i'd no notion you didn't know who i meant till you said she yesterday then thinks i i'll have a little surprise for her and a good laugh won't do the child no harm bless her harm why the most cynical crabbed disappointed old soul in the world must have brightened up at the merry little ripple of laughter that followed the responsibilities and struggles of the last two or three years had left their trace in the gravity of florence's young face when in repose it had begun to have the american tired look and it needed excitement or a quick emotion to show to best advantage the intelligent deep brown eyes the wavy hair across the strong forehead and a complexion naturally fine and clear rendered even more delicate by her long illness 
as she looked up now with the quick pleasure of a child and the light of careless merriment in her eyes her face was very sweet and winning wesley was regarding her intently his features relaxing pleasantly at her happy laugh no doubt you consider us all as arch-conspirators miss amory he said but i assure you i knew nothing of this until half an hour ago aunt lizabeth is the guy fox and i had no idea she could be so deceitful replied florence solemnly have you any gunpowder in your apron pocket ma'am land sakes no said elizabeth with a puzzled look what do you suppose i want with powder i guess likely's elsie's got some up in his closet though what on earth then they all laughed again they were so simply happy that it did not take much to amuse them but florence soon began to feel her strength failing in the unusual excitement and was glad to be left alone with her patchwork quilt and her pussy willows she did not see wesley again until several days later he was busy mending fences lizabeth said and in the evening he had to do his writing florence secretly wondered what his writing could be but as lizabeth did not seem disposed to explain she said nothing she had noticed the carefulness of the sturdy young farmer's speech the final g's on his present participles and the even firm pronunciation of his vowels and consonants so different from the drawling carelessly clipped words of the country people about he must have studied hard at some village academy she thought people now began to drop in after the neighbourly st john fashion so out of use in cities they would settle themselves comfortably in the kitchen rocker which was usually brought into the front room for company and taking a roll of knitting from bag or apron pocket would keep the needles flying while they talked though but for five minutes florence learned that her mother who was herself in feeble health had been from time to time informed of her condition and as the sickness had never been considered dangerous had contented herself with writing at first to elizabeth afterward to florence who was now well enough to answer in the pure country air she gained rapidly and before long was enabled to take her seat with the rest at table on which occasion be it said her only anxiety was lest the family should go to bed supperless with such eagerness did they devote themselves to superintending her own plate by this time too she had learned to say elizabeth and grandfather without hesitation as to the third member of the family she compromised with her sense of propriety by addressing him as mr wesley his last name she had not heard she was sitting by her window one bright warm afternoon in april watching the portly robins now hopping about after their extraordinary food now pausing to glance up wisely at the sky or at her window with an air half suspicious half friendly their neat orange-coloured waistcoats showed prettily against the fresh-tinted grass just beginning to spring in velvety patches through the brown unmown aftermath of the preceding fall on the shady side of the old stone wall that ran along the road toward the railway station a narrow irregular snowbank its surface fantastically carved and honeycombed by the sun still reminded her of her winter night's ride how dreary it had all seemed 
how she had dreaded even the christmas festivities with the inevitable left out the awkward movements when she felt that the company about her were not quite sure whether to treat her as an equal or a servant worst of all the well-meant efforts of mrs walton to smooth matters over in private ah how it was all changed now she would never never go back to her old position indeed and a shadow crossed her forehead as she thought of it mrs walton had never signified her wish to have her return she would soon be able to help her kind friends in the housework in sewing and in other little ways until she could obtain something to do for herself she would pay them some time how good they had all been to her she thought once more of that bitter hopeless ride through the snow how cold she had been her right arm benumbed with holding the robe over the children whom with all her troubles she had learned to love very dearly she recalled the sudden halt the moaning of the wind through the trees overhead the sifting of the sleety snow against the sides of the sleigh then she thought of the firm voice assuming control so quietly with no needless words but what was better to stout arms how they had seemed to lift her out of all her troubles even while she was borne straight into the whirl and might of the storm she had felt that the arms were stronger than the wind and so had trusted them the girl was resting her cheek upon her hand as she lived that long night over again and she hardly knew what a glow was in her face or how dewy bright her eyes were as with a start she turned to answer a knock she had learned to recognize wesley looked straight into the brown eyes a moment in his grave silent way then reached out his hand filled to overflowing with long trailing vines and fragrant pink-and-white blossoms they told me they missed you in the woods he said and begged me to carry them to you florence took them in her hands and bent her face over them she could not speak for a moment the flowers were such a part of what she had been thinking i thank you she said at length tremulously they are far too beautiful to claim companionship with me it is i who should go to them and kneel while i picked them i always think of them as in mild standish children lost in the woods and covered with leaves in their slumber it is as if they were the pure in heart who had ascended into his holy hill where did you find them mr wesley under the pines by the brook it is hardly time for them but that is a sheltered spot where the sun shines all day i will take you there as soon as you can go with safety do you know mused florence it seems odd that the first english ship anchoring in plymouth harbour should have been called the mayflower do they have these flowers in england no miss amory it would perhaps sound strange to you to hear people speak of a branch of mayflowers but by that name the english usually mean the hawthorn which flowers in may and it is a wonderfully beautiful sight for england seems at that time to be fairly covered with blossoms the hawthorns are so plentiful this is trailing arbutus is it not yes except pardon me with the accent on the first syllable but i am becoming pedantic he added with a smile miss amory you once told aunt lizabeth you would like to be read to did you not florence felt the colour in her cheeks but said simply yes i should enjoy it very much here is a bit that i came across a day or two ago 
he took a printed slip from his pocket and began to read little pure hearts nestling shyly on the cool pine-shadowed slope filling all the gloomy forest with the very breath of hope whence hath come your wondrous patience in the dark to wait so long faith to venture forth so bravely at the first wee sparrow song all your alabaster boxes with their store of ointment sweet you have offered to the master humbly kneeling at his feet and his gentle hands in blessing rest upon you day by day while the precious fragrance rises like a prayer to him alway florence sat in absolute stillness while he read just catching her breath slightly at one of the lines she looked very much like a mayflower herself as she sat there her hands crossed in her lap and her face upturned to the reader when he had finished she was silent for a moment then she asked who wrote that mr wesley oh the author's name wasn't mentioned he replied carelessly it was some anonymous magazine writer who was fond of flowers and the gospel of st john and chose to tell in this way what he thought about it all mr wesley miss amory is there an institute or academy of any sort at the corner i have thought of teaching you know florence flushed as she spoke and looked intently out of the window there is something of that sort there now i believe it was started only a year or two ago why then you the words came out before she could check them no he answered smiling i was only able to attend the district school that you passed between here and haybrook station but you have learned somewhere she was in for it now though her face burned as she asked the question oh i studied at home he replied quietly then i worked for a man at haybrook centre and he helped me with my greek and latin until i was able to enter bowden i graduated five years ago thank you she said heartily i am afraid i have been unpardonably inquisitive but you must accord a certain indulgence to invalids which i believe they are usually not slow to claim if you had not criticised my pronunciation of this little flower's name i should not have taken such a liberty am i forgiven she concluded looking up brightly into his face again i have passed harder examinations in history he said good-humouredly and some day i may retaliate by examining you to even better purpose will you answer all my questions then florence laughed outright how solemnly you speak to be sure i will my story will be even shorter than yours i think one answer will be enough for the whole yes i think it will he said slowly then checked himself and remarking soberly that her little forest children would be none the worse for wetting their feet turned without words and left the room End of part three